Welcome back to Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Patriots versus Eagles preseason training camp game and looking at how uh, the players did. And then we're going to be looking at the next um, situation and what the next game is for the Patriots. And then we're going to be looking at some Celtics stuff and going from there. So. Patriots took on the Eagles in a very good game, which was 35 to nothing victory. Um, the Patriots had most of their plays come from Mac Jones, who was uh, 13 to 19, 146 yards, and Cam Newton was 8 for 9, 103 yards, one touchdown, and Brian Hoyer 2 for 3, 30 yards, um, and no touchdowns. Mac Jones had no touchdowns as well. Running backs were the ones with the touchdowns for the game. We had J.J. Taylor, who had one touchdown. He was 12 yards, or 12 carries, 93 yards. 15 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson, another game, another two touchdowns. Six, uh, six carries, 14 yards, one touchdown. Damian Harris, we did not see any play from James White. We did see Sony Michelle, seven carries, 34 yards right there. The lone touchdown, Jacoby Myers for the wide receiver core. He was three receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. Gunnar Azlowski, four receptions, 57 yards. We saw Tony Michelle had four receptions for 37 yards. Ken, Kristen Wilkerson, three receptions, 36 yards, and down the line. We didn't see a lot from Keel Harry, one reception, 19 yards. Um, didn't really do too much. James White, two receptions, 13 yards. Um, so, yeah, that was their situation. Um, and Ramondre Stevenson had one fumble, which was lost. Um, so they didn't recover that one. Now, on the defensive side of things, we saw two sacks from Chase Vinovich. We saw one from uh, Harvey uh, Lange. We saw one from Cass Mayula. And those were your only uh, sacks for the game. Uh, we saw um, some great plays um, as well. QB hits. We saw two from Chase Vinovich, one from Harvey Lange, one from Cass- Cassius Mishula. And um, didn't see a ton of play out of the you know core players, such as um, Kyle Van Noy and uh, Dante Hightower and... Christian Barrymore and Matthew Judon. A lot of these guys didn't get a ton of play. It was kind of the outsiders who got the play. We saw interceptions. um, One from Adrian Colbert. One interception, 18 yards. And Harvey Lange had one interception and just, I guess, was down for that. Punt returns. J.J. Taylor had uh, three, 34 yards. And Gunnar Zlowski had two, 14 yards. So there's that. Then we saw the kicking team, which was Quinn Norton, one for two on field goals, uh, two for four on extra points. I still think he's kind of figuring it out, and I think he's kind of been like 50-50. So uh, eventually that could be, um, you know, his job, I think. Um, He's playing uh, pretty solid. So now we're seeing a lot of Mac Jones. We're seeing Cam Newton. I expect Cam Newton not to get any minutes in their next game, which is against the Giants, which is, I believe, their last preseason game. 
So, um, yeah, I think um, Mac Jones is doing great, and so is Cam Newton. I was reading an article about, um, ESPN article about Mac Jones and Cam Newton and the success of these quarterbacks and how it reflects well on Josh McDaniels. And so, looking at the situation, um, we have um, McDaniels, who's been returning for his 18th season with Patriots and 10th straight as coordinator. He was there, and then he left and was a head coach with the Denver Broncos for a year and then with the Rams. Um, or actually, it's two years with Denver, one year with the Rams. Um, and then, you know, Cam Newton had a good game against the Eagles. Mac Jones wasn't bad. And I think if things can go well with either Cam Newton or with um, Mac Jones, that's a good sign for McDaniels because he's basically been there with Tom Brady, and he's been there throughout Tom Brady's whole career. And it's one of those things where if he does well with other quarterbacks, then that's going to help his stock. And if he does, you know, not so good, then a lot of people will say Tom Brady made McDaniels, as they can say that about Bill Belichick. But if things are going well and things are looking in the right direction, then I think could be a good situation for McDaniels and for the Patriots, obviously. He has uh, had interviews with a few teams over the last few years and almost um, went to the Colts, which that did just never happened because he chose not to. But, um, you know, I think for Mac Jones, um, he's doing good. Cam Newton's probably going to be your starter on day one and most likely the last game of preseason Giants versus Patriots. You're going to see Brian Hoyer get a lot of minutes and Mac Jones get most of the minutes. And Cam Newton probably won't play at all because he's going to be your guy uh, at the number one spot, right? He's going to be your number one quarterback because um, if Mac Jones does better, then maybe it'll go to him. But um, we will see. So looking at where the Patriots stand in terms of their sort of kicking group and their sort of starters and who's going to stick around. So it seems like the starters for the Patriots at the moment, we have Cam Newton, Damian Harris, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, or John U. Smith, depending on who's healthy, and the fullbacks, Jacob Johnson, which he probably won't get a ton of minutes. And then on the tackle guard center side of things, Isaiah Wynn, Michael Onewu, on David Andrews, Shaq Mason, and Trent Brown are all your starters. And so looking at this team, most likely Cam Newton, Mac Jones, Hoyer's going to be left off. And Stidham's out, and he'll probably be on the injured reserve for a while. And then Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, James White, Ramondre Stevenson are your running backs. Maybe Sony Michelle is kicked off this list and doesn't stick around. We have the wide receivers, who I think were going to be Nelson Aguilar, Kobe Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and probably, and this is just my opinion, Kristen Wilkerson, Christian Wilkerson with Matthew Slater, special teams, Gunnar Oslowski, special teams. So there's that. Um, and I think uh, Trey Nixon will be on the practice squad. Nikhil Harry will either get released or traded, and then the rest are done. Yeah, tight end situation, I think for the moment, because Hunter Henry and John Smith are questionable, we are going to see Devin Asai, Matt Lacoste, Hunter Henry, and John Smith on this roster for tight ends. And in terms of the guards and tackles and stuff, we have the starters, and then we'll probably get 
Justin Haran, Ted Karras, and then either James Frontes or Corey Cunningham as your potential um, guys to take over. Um, so there's that. Looking at the uh, other side, which is your um, sort of defensive players um, for uh, this situation, um, we have um, at the moment the starters, which is Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Dave N. Godchuk, Henry Anderson, Matthew Judon, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, J.C. Jackson, Adrian Phillips, Devin McCourty, and Stephon Gilmore. Now, in terms of your backups and who could potentially stick around, um, probably Dietrich Wise uh, is your starter. Tayshawn Bauer uh, will get the spot as the backup, and then probably uh, other backups will include Carl Davis, Chase Vinovich, um, Juwan Bentley, um, either Ronnie Perkins or Arfrani Jennings, probably Ronnie Perkins, um, and then Josh Yuchi, uh, and then the cornerbacks, Jonathan Jones, um, and probably Jalen Mills, and the rest will either be practice squad or other. And then for the safeties, Kyle Duggar and Cody Davis, and then the rest will be practice squad or other. And then in terms of special teams, I honestly think we could see Nick Folk get it with Quinn Norton being practice squad. And then Jake Bailey is your uh, punter. And so that's that. And then in terms of the uh, kick return slash punt return, we are going to see Gunnar Oslowski both of those or Gunnar Oslowski punt return, J.J. Taylor kick return, which I don't know if that will happen. But, hey, we'll see. So I think in terms of quarterbacks, as I said, Brian Hoyer will get released. I don't know, but I think the Patriots could keep Stidham on the um, IR for the whole season, just keep him out the whole season, and then when Cam Newton leaves next year and gets either a bigger contract somewhere else or just leaves, then you have Mac Jones and Stidham's your backup, which is fine. He's a good backup. So I could see them keeping him off of the team for this year and just going with two quarterbacks, and if they need to, Brian Hoyer, his practice squad comes up, or just if, let's say, Cam Newton gets hurt, or Mac Jones gets hurt, then Stidham comes off the IR and is better. So who knows what they'll do, but I think that's kind of where they go. So that is that. Then we're going to look at the Red Sox for a little bit uh, before I get to what I want to talk about on the Celtics. And so for the Red Sox, they are slipping. They are slipping a lot. They have lost three straight to the Yankees and split so far with the Rangers. They are third in the American League East, and they just aren't playing as good as they should. If you go to their last one, two, three, four, five games, they are f one of five, so pretty crappy. And it seems like the Yankees are just picking up steam and picking up um, momentum. The Red Sox at the moment are two and a half games back of the Yankees, and it doesn't look like they are going to be going any better. Um, wild card race they are technically a half game back of Oakland so they could in theory make that wild card spot which is great um, the Yankees it seems like are kind of picking up steam and taking over the whole first seed in the wild card but it's only one game wild card so the Red Sox could be the second wild card and win one game against the Yankees and make the playoffs which I think is a good thing because we don't want to see the Yankees make the playoffs ever because they don't deserve to um, so for the Red Sox, they are 
in their last uh, 10 games, 5-5. Five five. Yankees are 9-1, which is something um, that's interesting. So I'd like to just say um, they're playing well, which is not good. But um, it looks like Tampa Bay is hard to beat, as it is. And if you go to just sort of baseball in general, specifically looking at the rest of baseball, we have San Francisco, who's doing amazing. We have the Dodgers, who are doing amazing as well, which is um, very, very big. So I expect one of those teams to make the World Series, and that's just, you know, what I kind of think could take place. So, yeah, um, that is the Red Sox. Now I want to move to the Boston Celtics and um, talk about some stuff with them uh, just for a second. So let's go with the biggest news, which is Robert Williams' $54 million contract extension with the Boston Celtics. Celtics are adding in Robert Williams to a long-term deal. He has a lot of potential. And this is a good move because you're not paying him too much. You know, he's not making $25 million. He's not kind of doing um, all this extra stuff. You're kind of just giving him a good deal. And, you know, I think he's been improving slightly each year. And he's a good big man for the Celtics at the moment. And I think having Horford as your backup kind of to mentor, and even Ennis Cantor can mentor, I think, um, you know, that's a good thing to have. I think he's someone who could easily get you you know eight points eight rebounds and that's what he did last year he could do even better this year hopefully so he's trying to still figure out his own he's been in the league for a few years and as much as I think um, you know he's got um, you know a lot of potential uh, he's got to make some some steps in the right direction um, you know and just kind of go from there because um, you know things are looking uh, looking very very good and so I think you know it's a great situation having him long-term, whether he works out or not. And so I think next year is going to be a year when the Celtics are kind of figuring out their situation. This is going to be the first year where it's just Tatum and Brown as your stars. Because we tried it with Kyrie, we tried it with Hayward, we tried it with Al Horford, who's back, but he's not the same. And we tried it with uh, Kyrie, um, and Isaiah Thomas was there. And, you know, there have been a whole host of guys. Kemba Walker joined the fold. And it's one of those things where we've had these other guys who've kind of tried to come in and be sort of the number one or number two option next to Tatum, Brown, etc. And it hasn't worked. And we've gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's about as good as we can get. And so for the Boston Celtics now... We're going to get a year to see what it's like with Tatum and Brown just kind of kind of there. And that's, uh, you know, something to watch. Because for the Celtics, it is very possible that they just go with this group and see what next year uh, happens to be, which I think would be great. Um, and I think um, down the line, if things work out, then they stick with this. If not, then, um, you know, I think... Uh, there's a way that they could potentially move on to some of these pieces and kind of go after a bigger name. And so I think this year, more importantly, this you know upcoming season is important for the Boston Celtics because they have a chance to kind of showcase Tatum and Brown. And if the Celtics find, hey, we have Tatum, we have Brown, they're looking good, 
then they can build off Tatum and Brown with some role players. If they say, we're good, we got Tatum, we got Brown, we need something else, then you can go from there. So I was listening to Lockdown Celtics, and they were talking in two podcasts, one of which was talking about the big three, and which something the Celtics want to kind of look at. And then they also have the second one, which was the next day's podcast, which looked more at what if it's Tatum and Brown, and just Tatum and Brown, and we build around those players. Now, what I want to do is first look at the pros and cons of each, and more importantly look at how the NBA has been kind of going, and which one I'd rather see take place. So, let's get uh, started. So, looking at um, the sort of first side of things, which is the big three angle, we'll look at the big three angle first. This doesn't have to be specifically Bradley Beal, but it could be Bradley Beal, it could be Zach Levine, it could be Carl Anthony Towns, it could be insert any third star who could maybe be available. This is a max contract guy, this is someone who's going to make the most money. And so the pros and cons of this are, the pro, just the fact that you have three stars, three all-star level guys, three potential Hall of Fame guys. Obviously Tatum's improving significantly, Brown's improving significantly. And if, for the sake of our argument, we use um, Bradley Beal, you know he's been um, he's been uh, significantly improving as well, and it's been going, you know, better and better each year. And you know, I think it's one of those things where if we get in a third star, then the way the NBA is trending, that's the best way to win a championship. And so having three stars is great because of that factor. Number two, you know, I think it's just for fan appeal and just to bring people in the door because as much as Tatum and Brown are great, it's one of those things where having a third star in there could potentially make for a better situation and it could bring in more fans and it could bring in more money and it could just be a great situation for all sides, which I think could be great. And so that's uh, another thing. And... I guess in this case Bradley Beal is friends with Tatum and that's going to want to keep Jason Tatum around and having another star might want to keep Jason Tatum around and Jalen Brown around because now they got a third superstar and this team is planning to you know make something you know work and I think having three stars can keep your already budding two stars um, sticking around so this is a pretty solid situation if they go after that. One of the biggest cons is the fact that you're going to have to give up a lot to get him, and it's going to cripple your bench more so than you would have liked. And so it's one of those things where, yes, going out there and having three stars is great, but you'd have to give up a lot of your role players, and you have to give up a lot of guys to potentially add in sort of this superstar, and you'd have to spend a lot of money to do so. And it would mean potentially giving up Robert Williams, potentially giving up Mark Smart, potentially giving up Al Horford, potentially giving up Nesmith or Pritchard or draft picks. And that's going to come at a cost, right? Having a team, let's just assume Tatum, Brown, Bradley Beal, and Robert Williams, and you give up Marcus Smart, you give up Nesmith, you give up Pritchard, you give up a bunch of these other guys, and you have draft picks gone. And we assume, let's just say, Dennis Schroeder resigns, and so you have Schroeder. Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. That's a great starting lineup, but your bench isn't going to be the greatest. And your hope is that a bunch of these veterans with a lot of upside 
will come to Boston, similar to what the Lakers did, adding in a bunch of veterans with upside. Kind of these top-tier veterans who aren't going to make a ton of money, but they're big pieces for your team. And so maybe if you have three stars, that could help you get those veterans, but it's also going to cripple your bench in the process. And so you're going to be stuck with whatever couple of players are left over, and then you know, you'll know you have your team and role players and some scrubs, which if that's the case, you'd be looking at like a Brooklyn Nets or a Golden State Warriors situation of like 2017. Or a Cleveland Cavaliers situation with LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie, and role players. Which I'm sure, the you know, they won a championship. Golden State's won championships with that group. And so you can definitely make it work in that regard. But it's going to be a kind of um, very small group of players who get minutes. And then the rest are kind of just there. You know, Miami Heat 2012 situation where you had Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. And a bunch of kind of lower tier players, Mario Chalmers, Joel Anthony, you know, a bunch of washed up, you know, players, Richard Lewis, Ray Allen at the end of his career, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's, if you're fine with that, that's great. But if you want great role players, not going to happen. Moving on to the other side, which is the Celtics decide, hey, we're going to just keep Tatum and Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard, add in a bunch of role players, and that's where the Celtics go. That is a situation in which they would be foregoing the third star, foregoing Bradley Beal or Carl Anthony Towns, and getting pieces and role players surrounding your team. So let's look at the pros and cons of that. The pro, and the first pro, is what we were saying earlier, which is, um, you know, in a three-man superstar team, you don't have a bench and good role players. In a Tatum and Brown-led team, you have more cap space open, and you do have the ability to sign guys who are potentially better role players and can give you more minutes. And so if the Celtics decide we're not going to keep a third star on this team and they, let's say, get rid of um, Al Horford's $27 million, the full 27 then you have enough cap space to potentially add in a free agent or two off the bench who can really help your team or um, someone who really um, works well. And that does not mean that they have to keep around Smart or Robert Williams or any of these guys. They could trade those guys away for other role players who help their team out, right? You could trade away Marcus Smart for a much better point guard. For example, a Colin Sexton or you know someone like a De'Aaron Fox. And you can still have good players, you just wouldn't have that third star. And so you could potentially, you know, let's say get rid of Mark Smart for a Larry Nance Jr. and a Colin Sexton. And, you know, you're not going to have to pay Colin Sexton $40 million. You pay him, you know, $18 million or whatever it is. And then Larry Nance Jr. is there. And you add in some other role players. Maybe you go after someone like a Dylan Brooks. And so for the Celtics, you would basically get a much better bench and you'd have more depth uh, with your lineup. So that is probably your biggest, you know, pro. Number two is the fact that you don't have to give up all these other young players, whether it be in trades or whether it be just releasing them because you don't have the money to keep them around. So that's another pro to sort of this Tamer Brown-led team without that third star is you can keep Nesmith, you know, Romeo Lankford, 
you know, and all the other young guys if you choose to, which it's, you know, something to, to think about. The biggest con is the fact that you might not be able to keep Tatum and Brown on a long, uh, long term. And it's one of those things where if they're not happy because there's not a third star in there, or they're not happy because they can't go as far, maybe it's just not going to keep them around long term, right? If the Celtics have a Tatum-Brown-led team and they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they get to the Eastern Conference Finals very easily with this group, then you're going to be happy. But let's say they do the exact same thing with Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Maybe in that scenario, you're a little bit more happy because you got a third star and there's someone who's a great player, and you still have a good core of Tatum, Brown, and Bradley Beal. Maybe Tatum and Brown are like, okay, we can just keep these guys together and get some good role players who are veterans uh, and do a Los Angeles Lakers situation and get a you know another bunch of good potential role players and you can market the fact that you got three superstars which if you just have Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and role players it's hard to you know kind of market that to uh, veterans who are looking to play the tail end of their career and can still give you good minutes you know like an Andre Iguodala type or Dwight Howard or some of these other important pieces that help you win championships because young guys don't always win you championships and so that's kind of what you need and so a pro for having a big three which kind of just was was kind of iterated was you can bring in veterans and you don't have as many young guys and you're kind of working with a core of veterans which is what most teams want to win a championship right veterans you have Miami Heat had veterans the Dallas Mavericks when they won a championship had veterans if you look at Cleveland they had veterans if you look at Golden State they had veterans all these teams who win championships have veterans they have guys who can make things happen the Milwaukee Bucks had PJ Tucker and they had Brooke Lopez and they had Jeff Teague and they had Bobby Portis and they had all these veterans rather than having young guys and so a con of having just Tatum Brown and a bunch of role players is you're prioritizing the young guys Pritchard Nesmith you know etc and you're not prioritizing veterans who help you win championships. Those guys don't help you win championships, right? And so you need veterans in there to make it happen, which is a con, in my opinion, for just having a two-tiered two super team with Tim Brown, etc. And I don't think super teams with just two top-tier players work unless they're Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who are two of the best players, top ten players in the NBA. So if I was to pick between the two and this is just how I feel the Boston Celtics easily should go for a big three because there's a whole host of opportunities that can come out of that you have a chance to get superstars you have a chance to have veterans come in who can help you win championships the Los Angeles Lakers won a championship with LeBron, AD and like a bunch of different veterans Rondo, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard They, I think they had JaVale McGee um, and so if you get these veterans and you get these guys who come in here and who have experience and playoff experience, isn't that what you want? You know, the Golden State Warriors had Andrew Bogut and Leandro Barbosa and Andre Iguodala and, you know, Sean Livingston and all these great veterans who came in and helped out Steph and Clay and Draymond and Harrison Barnes. And then when Kevin Durant came in, all these guys were here and they helped win a championship, right? 
This is what you need if you want to win a championship in today's NBA. You need a good core, a big three, and some veterans. And if you got some young players still sticking around, then I think we'll be in a good situation, right? If the Celtics in some way, shape, or form can keep Nesmith or keep Pritchard and then get rid of everyone else who's on the young uh, the young players on the roster and have some sort of a starting lineup with one of those guys, Bradley Beal, Tatum, Brown, and then veterans, then you could have a good situation, right? Let's say the Celtics decide to, um, you know, trade away Al Horford and get rid of his money and sign whatever free agent, Derek Favors, Cody Zeller, you know, whatever veteran free agent to the cheapest contract and have, you know, re-sign Schroeder and have Schroeder and, you know, a big superstar and Tatum and Brown and Bradley Beal. I think that's a better situation. And now... I think this season's a good chance to kind of test the waters because this season, in my opinion, is Tatum, Brown, and a bunch of role players. And if that works, great. If the Celtics are like a seven seed, then you got to make changes, right? You have to go for that third superstar. And there are a lot of Celtics fans who love Smart, and I like Smart. He's a hard player. I like Robert Williams. I like the young guys. But to win a championship, you need veterans, and you need three superstars. And Celtics will never win a championship with Marcus Smart and with all these other role players you got to move on, right? you got to go after Zach Levine or Carl Anthony Towns or Bradley Beal or any number of those guys to make it work because that's just how it needs to be, right? You can't have it any other way. And so for Boston, as much as I think Tatum and Brown are great, you need a third star, and that's how you're going to get better.